Willie Terry, your Roman labor correspondent. Uh, still here at Col on Colvin Avenue at the uh, Christmas party for kids, where they're giving out gifts to kids. And I have one of the partners of this event, and then his name is uh, Jeffrey Dokovic. Deskovic. Deskovic. How you doing? Man? I'm good. So I'm with the Jeffrey Deskovic Foundation for Justice, a nonprofit organization um, that works to free wrongfully convicted people. Mm -hmm. uh, we freed 12 innocent people mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. Recently, most recently, Andre Brown. Um, a week and a half, a little bit less than a week and a half ago, after 22 years, we also do policy changes aimed at preventing wrongful conviction. So we've helped pass three laws, an additional six, with the coalition group. It could happen to you, which uh, I'm part of. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an attorney and I started the organization because I spent 16 years wrongfully incarcerated myself. Yes, prior to DNA proving my innocence. Um, so my life is dedicated to that. So I came to the event here today uh, because my colleague, uh, H. Bosch Jr., who has um, the radio show, you know, Triple E's, uh, he is a colleague from the It Could Happen to You Coalition and he told me about this and uh, he's definitely Albany based and pretty much whatever he tells me is uh, worthwhile charitable events going on in the Albany area I come to as long as I um, don't have a non-movable co uh, conflict so we've been doing advocacy work throughout the country for about six years speaking and regularly going to the New York State Legislature and lobbying for changes including some of the laws we passed uh, so in brief uh, I like to give back God has blessed me to be doing well and I brought a couple of gifts here to the function for and it's just part of me uh, giving back to people in a less fortunate position and we look forward to participating in this event uh, next year and many more years to come and other similar mission uh, items. Uh, the foundation's fundraising has gone better and so we're able to give back in this way here and you know we did something on Thanksgiving and we'll be more active up in the Albany area. I mean I semi-frequently come up to Albany because of the presence of the New York State Legislature and so it's only natural that I would want to do some good up here in uh, Albany. Mm -hmm. so, your, so your office is operated out of what city? Uh, it, the office is located in the Bronx in New York, in New York City but uh, you know, obviously the legislature is here in Albany, so we do most of the policy work is Albany uh, centered. It affects the whole state, but the legislature is here, so we meet in person. And the geographical area we take wrongful conviction cases at is not limited to the city. So we actually we have a uh, we have a Troy case and we have um, a case up in Buffalo and cases throughout New York State. Right now, there's 12 cases that we're working on um, freeing wrongfully convicted people. Mm -hmm. How, how is a business, per se? You know, are you getting a lot of people calling you? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people have contacted the foundation. In fact, we are... Uh, we're actually not taking new applications because we, we, we're trying to dig ourselves out of uh, approximately 300 raw applications where people are just asking us for help. And that's aside from our 12 active cases, and we have another seven that are approved but are, ju are just waiting. So we're trying to dig ourselves out, and at that point we will we'll open up the queue again and we'll allow, uh, we'll take new uh, applications. But people are even asking just simply to get on the waiting list for uh, whenever we do open up. So, you know, wrongful conviction is a very serious issue. And I regret to say that New York is third in the country in terms of the total number of exonerations that have happened. Mm -hmm. So it is a it is a really big problem. It happens much more frequently 
uh, than what most of us realize. But beyond wrongful conviction being devastating for the individual and their family, uh, in a larger sense, it's a public safety issue because every time the actual perpetrator, every time the actual, every time an innocent person is convicted, the actual perpetrator stays uh, free and they can strike again. And that actually happened in my case. So the actual perpetrator killed a second victim three and a half years later after killing the victim in my case. So what happened to me wasn't just devastating to me, but it also ultimately cost another person her life. And you know, her children are obviously dramatically impacted by the murder of. Um, their mother. So what do you think is the cause of these uh, wrongful convictions? Wrongful yeah, absolutely. Prosecutorial misconduct is a big factor. But another another big factor is uh, coerced false confessions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, many people think that an innocent person would never confess, but actually it's caused wrongful convictions in 29% of the DNA proven wrongful convictions. I would like to share that there are three bills right now in the Albany legislature that have been addressed, that have been uh, introduced or uh, that are intended to prevent wrongful convictions. So one of them is the Youth Interrogation Act. So that is a bill that's been introduced. And what it would do is that it would mandate that 16 and 17-year-olds and kids younger than that would have to speak to an attorney to explain their rights before they waive their rights and speak to the police, recognizing that kids at that age often don't understand their rights. That's what happened to me, actually, at my false confession, which caused my wrongful conviction, happened when I was 16. There is a police deception bill, which has been introduced, which would ban the police from lying to suspects in the course of uh, interrogating them, recognizing that uh, police deception interrogations is inherently coercive. And lastly, when New York State mandated that the police record custodial interrogations back in 2017, they unfortunately made exceptions for homicide, sex offenses, and drug cases. And those are the cases where we need it the most. So we would like to uh, get rid of those exceptions. And so a bill is going to be introduced on that um, momentarily. It has helped to write the justification portion of the bill. And so uh, we're going to get a bill number any day on that. So what's been the uh, reaction of the uh, legislators? Yeah, they're, yeah they're, I'm, I'm welcome. Um, well, first of all, I've been doing advocacy since 2006, so they're well aware of me and my advocacy work. I have been, I, I have been welcomed uh, by them, and they seem open to the legislation that I'm championing. They recognize that false confessions do do happen, and that particularly vulnerable populations are youth and people with mental health issues. So, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to get most, if not all, of those bills passed uh, this year. I do want to mention that. A big problem in terms of trying to correct wrongful convictions is that the state does not provide attorneys for indigent defendants uh, if you're going to bring a post-conviction motion. And so there's a bill that would do that uh, called the Challenging Wrongful Convictions Act. So I'm hoping that that will get, I'm hoping that that will get uh, passed as well. So there's some really good legislation out there, and myself, um, H. Bosch Jr., who's um, you know playing Santa Claus at today's event, and many of our other colleagues throughout the state, we're, we're pushing really hard to get these bills passed because, look, we don't want innocent people to be falsely accused. We don't want innocent people to be wrongfully convicted. Have there been any pushback from law enforcement? Yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's definitely pushback from law enforcement. Uh, so the the police think that. 
if the, that uh, if these bills are passed, that they they won't be able to do their job. But we really don't look at it like that. Uh, in states where they they have these bills enacted, um, th- there's there is not a reduction in the number of crimes that police are able to solve. Uh, I think also that you know it's not necessary to that people in order for the justice system to work, then people have to not understand their rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's pushback from from law enforcement uh, on that. Uh, in jurisdictions where they don't, where um, bills were passed that mandated recording interrogations, there was initially a lot of pushback from uh, law enforcement. But once it's passed and they have to do it, they love it. Then they don't want to go back because they realize that look, this thing isn't simply helping uh, suspects, but this this helps them because it makes for it makes for better evidence. And it also protects honest cops from false allegations of coercion, mm-hmm. so they never want to go. They never want to go back. Uh, the other pushback, of course, is from the District Attorneys Association mm-hmm. of New York, but they always seem to want to oppose uh, justice reform issues. Mm-hmm. But again, this has nothing to do with being soft on crime, wanting criminals to get away with it. This has to do with accuracy and justice and preventing wrongful conviction. Now, I know you say you do this right here, Mm -hmm. Uh, but are there other states where people have organizations that do something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in this state, so there are other organizations in New York. There's the Innocence Project uh, that does this kind of work. There's the Exoneration Initiative uh, in nearby New Jersey. There is Centurion Ministries. uh, And there's a lot of innocence organizations throughout the country that are doing this type of work. And... Nearly all the organizations have the two-pronged approach. Let's free people that are already wrongfully imprisoned, and then let's prevent future wrongful convictions through doing policy work aimed at preventing wrongful convictions. So we're kind of following along um, with uh, their uh, model in, uh, in terms of having that approach. Mm-hmm. Now, you remember the Central Park? I do remember the Central Park Five, now known as the Exonerated Five. Yeah, in fact, I know I know a lot of them personally. I've met them. Uh, when you move in the... When you move in the same circles, you eventually run into everybody. But yeah, the Central Park Five, four out of the five, were coerced into false confessions. So that's an example of a false confession leading to wrongful conviction. It certainly illustrates, their case certainly illustrates the need for the Youth Interrogation Act. So all of them, all of them were very young when confessions were, for, were forced out of them. And certainly, they never understood their rights. What 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old understands? A lot of adults don't understand their rights. Right. And I know that uh, when a person is proven not not guilty, you know, from mm-hmm. the wrong conviction, uh, there is a reparation for the person. There is, there is, there is compensation. Yes, right. but compensation. the yeah, but the the issue with compensation is that the issue with compensation is that between the point of release until uh, when someone's compensated, there's no, there's no, there's there's nothing between point A and point B. So when I was exonerated, it was a difficult first five years of my freedom before uh, I was compensated. So what I'm saying is that there should be reintegrative assistance. There should be housing, cost of living, mental health care, doctor and dental, job training, job placement classes on technology, access to public transportation. Okay. And Jeffrey, I don't want to give you no more business, but 
if someone wants to uh, get in touch with you, you know, just to get some ideas or some information. They can email me through the website. The website is www.deskovic.org, D-E-S-K-O-V-I-C.org, and there's a web form there where they can email me through there. And we're also on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and, you know, those uh, platforms have uh, email function to them. All right. And Jeffrey, I want to you know thank you for this interview and uh, thank you for bringing gift to the uh, Christmas party here today. Wow, you just brought a big <laughs> smile to my face. The same way I'm hoping to bring a smile to a few kids' uh, face. And uh, thank you for a very informative interview. You asked some really really great questions, and I could see you were into the issue. So I appreciate that. And hey, for every, for you and everyone else out there, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Thanks, Jeff.